Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 113 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. I'm so glad that you're here with me today. Today, um, I did a Facebook Live with writers in my Onward Writers Facebook group, which you should totally join. Um, Just Google Facebook Onward Writers and request to join, and I will accept you because you're one of my people. And this Facebook Live was so much fun. It was, I don't know what it is about the... um, the adrenaline surge that you get when you're doing a Facebook Live because it's really like throwing a party and 100% believing that no one will come. Um, so I got a few questions ahead of time just in case no one did, which would have been fine. But then people came and they asked questions about writing and they're people that I like and they asked really good questions. And um, there was a really hard one in there too. So I'm going to play that for you now. I hope that you enjoy it. And so I will end this introduction with um, happy writing to you. Enjoy this Facebook Live. Please join the group if you um, feel like you need a writing community. We're a pretty good one. All right. Talk soon. Why, yes, I do have a Patreon. I write essays about living an honest, creative life, and truly, they're the most important thing I write each month. I wouldn't be able to afford the serious time it takes to write them without the support of my benefactors. They are true patrons of the arts in the old-fashioned sense of the word. If you become one of my sponsors for as little as $1 a month, and seriously, those $1 pledges add up and are amazing, you'll get each essay as I write them, as well as the full backlist, more than 24 essays that I'm really freaking proud of. Other perks at other levels include being thanked in the acknowledgments and getting a signed copy of each new book I write. You can even get monthly coaching from me at a cheaper rate than I normally offer. Go to patreon.com slash Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L, to find out more. And thank you so much. Well, hello, writers. Um, (laughs) I am doing this Facebook Live, but it does happen to be um, the morning... And I just tilted the camera so you can see two little dogs running around. They are having a wrestling time. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, but about, uh, I think it was in June, I found, come here, here, Wilma. I found a little dog. So if you're on the camera, here we go. This is the little dog that I found. This was, she was named Molly. We named her Molly, um, but she got adopted by two men. She has two daddies now. And good morning, Laura. Um, Goodness, she likes to lick my ear. And so they're out of town. She's having a wonderful, wonderful life. Um, But they're out of town this weekend. So I have Wilma back. Her name is now Wilma. And um, for those of you tuning in, you will hear her, Wilma, and my dog, Dozy, playing really hard. And they growl and bark. And um, that's just what they do. And it's wonderful. For, wonderful for Wilma to be here because uh, it gets all of Dozy's energy out and all of Wilma's energy out, but they never stop making noise. So um, that's what you're going to hear in the background or perhaps even see running around in the background as we chat. Um, good morning, Mary. Good morning, Lauren. Yes, she is cute. She is. Hello. Um, uh, I'm going to try it. Aparecida. Um, I hope I got that close to right. So go ahead and let me have it in the questions. Um, I love doing these Facebook 
lives. Um, but this one is especially just for writers. And um, I may port it over to the podcast. I may not. But I just want to talk to you guys about writing. So basically, I'm going to open it up to any questions you might have about the writing business, writing craft, writing industry, um, writing inspiration, money, anything you guys want to talk about. is there's, there's nothing off limits. I like for there to be true transparency when I am talking about writing to other writers because I feel like there's a lot of mystery um, with a lot of the stuff that we do. So I want to demystify that process and straighten my necklace also in the same time. Um, I've already gotten a few questions here. Uh, so I can go to those if you guys. Um, Apracida is from Brazil. That's beautiful. Thank you. Um, Delfina is also here, Delfina. Uh, Mary says, my dog Benny is sitting right next to me and would love the doggy noises. Believe me, Mary, you will um, you will probably hear the doggy noises any minute. Uh, Mary and I are working together uh, and it's been wonderful to see Mary's work and Mary's working on a really exciting and very important book. So um, I'm excited about that. So yes, throw in questions as you think of them. Otherwise, I'll just riff on these other questions that people sent me ahead of time because they weren't able to make the Facebook Live. Um, here's the first one from Jackie. How, and it's a big one. How do you make yourself right? <laughs> I can seem to have all the best laid plans and I just don't get anything done even when I go sit at the computer to make myself right. I make the time and I still don't do it. Um, Jackie, you are not alone at all. Um, that is probably one of the biggest questions I get from writers is just how do I get over this resistance? Um, I would recommend reading The War of Art, Speaking of Resistance by Stephen Pressfield. Um, it's a wonderful book and it really talks about how resistance is this enemy that we have to fight and we will always, always have to fight it. It doesn't go away. Um, that's the bad thing is it never goes away. If you have dozens of books out, uh, you will still feel the same resistance. Sometimes you might even feel more. Um, but the other nice thing is that it doesn't go away. Therefore, it's this known enemy and you know to expect it. You, I think for a long time, resistance baffled me because I kept thinking I was doing it wrong and that I would eventually figure out how to wake up and have no resistance. Therefore, when I did fail and showed up at the computer and failed and looked at Facebook or, you know, got on Twitter or God forbid, went into my email and then suddenly my two hours to write are up or my hour is up and I didn't do anything, then I would feel like I failed again. Instead of just realizing that resistance shows up, resistance's job is to show up and try to keep you from doing any kind of art, not just writing. Um, but in this particular case, we're talking about writing. So in fact, you're doing it right if you're feeling that resistance, if you get to the computer and you don't write. So um, I always talk about these trips to take <laughs> tips and tricks. Um, but if you haven't heard me talk about them, here goes. I would install something on your computer like Freedom. You can get it. I can't remember how much it costs, but it is worth every penny. I think it may be 15 or $20. Freedom.to. Um, then you can put your computer, your computer will still work, but you can take yourself off the internet for a certain amount of time. Um, no matter what kind of writing you're doing, you do not need to be on the internet all the time if you're writing fiction or nonfiction. You can write for 45 minutes without having access to answer any of your questions. You should not be able to research anything while you're in the process of writing. Researching isn't something that comes after your writing. It's your reward for writing. So I like to go to a cafe uh, because if I stay at home, 
I will take myself off the internet and then I'll just go do laundry or, you know, walk the dogs or something like that. If something <laughs> crucial will occur. <laughs> yes, and we do have lots of squeakies in the house. So I might take the squeaky away because it's a brand new squeaky and it's very loud. Um, so I go to a cafe where I can't do anything. I take myself off the internet without thinking. That's the thing. Don't let yourself think. Just take yourself off the internet. And then you just will get bored enough that you have to write. There's nothing else to do. Um, do not look at your phone. Keep it in your purse. Keep it in your briefcase. Do not look at your phone. Definitely illegal. Um, but spend that 45 minutes or 30 minutes or a Pomodoro 25 if you want to do that and just do your writing. Um, and celebrate getting crappy words. That's my biggest thing is that the thing that keeps us from writing is often we'll write a sentence and it's terrible or we'll write a page and it's terrible and we feel that it's terrible it's not really terrible but we do feel that it's terrible later on we'll discover that it is fixable and not that bad um, but when that goes on a page that stops us that and then resistance just starts laughing and saying I knew it I told you so so um, the biggest thing is just to get crappy 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 words on the page give yourself a word goal is what I like to do and then stop when you're done if it's you know 500 words and you get 500 words done great go enjoy the rest of your day you have succeeded for today so that's my uh, best advice. Um, Pamela's here. Hi, Pamela. Love my socks. Um, Patty's here. Eva's here. It's so fabulous to um, have you guys here. Eva says, I have to hide my phone. Interestingly, I don't have to hide my phone. I, I don't like my phone very much. I pretty much have it on silent all the time, um, which drives my wife crazy literally uh, and I don't have any notifications on my phone so perhaps you know what I just realized this perhaps that's why I don't have any attachment to my phone because I don't get notifications of emails um, tweets Facebook the only thing that pops onto my phone are texts and I hate the sound of a text so again it's always on silent so I don't have that dopamine reward system with my phone um, but if you do have the dopamine reward system with your phone leave it in another room like leave it in the bathroom and close the door when you're doing your writing um, definitely put it on silent people will survive for 45 minutes without you um, hopefully and um, the other thing I would recommend is getting rid of notifications on your phone you can still open Twitter and look at all your notifications you can still open Facebook um, keep the texts on because obviously people in your real life need to contact you but otherwise take all notifications off your phone it's liberating it's awesome uh, Laura says how do you know what to put in your newsletters I don't want to just sell to my list but I'm stumped on what to say to them this is a huge question and it is dependent on the writer um, but for me people join my newsletter uh, for the fiction and the nonfiction I write because they like my voice um, because they want to hear more of my voice so I give them my voice I talk about my life uh, that is something I'm really comfortable doing I don't mind to, I, I don't not mind talking about my life. I love talking about my life. I love taking things that happen to me and turning them into little stories and sharing them with people. But that I know that's my tick. That's my thing. That's my shtick. That's what I do. So more some people are a lot more private. So in that case, I recommend mining your life for those little funny or poignant or um, meaningful things that happen just little things and choosing what you're comfortable with sharing because you writing about yourself is what your readers care about um, they also want to know what book you have coming out they really want to know when you're putting out a book um, but other than that they don't 
they don't need to hear sales stuff from you. They want to hear little things that you care about, the things that you can feel comfortable sharing, and they want to hear when your next book is coming up. They probably want to see your cover reveal, um, but much more than that, they don't want to. They don't want to hear. And 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 the nice thing is, just remember that the unsubscribe button is your friend. The people who unsubscribe from your newsletter are the people who are not your core audience. They're not your true readers, and you shouldn't have them in your list anyway. So I always. Congratulate, congratulate myself when I get unsubscribes, which happens all the time. It's just a, it's just a cost of doing business with newsletters. Um, but one tip I'll share with you for newsletters and something I do when I'm really feeling like I have nothing to say um, is I'll just go through my, my Kindle and see what I've read recently and what's something that I've loved. And I will, this is a, this is a good trick. Um, and I will give that book away. I'll basically write a little review for it. I will give it away to somebody on the newsletter. Um, in the newsletter list and in the open line, I'll say something like, did you win the free book? And then after my text, I put the little review of the book and then I say, and Karen Edwards, you won. Um, and Karen Edwards, if you're on my list, I, I thought I was making those words up, but as soon as they came out of my mouth, they sound familiar. So I'm not talking about you, but, uh, and the nice thing, here's the trick. Um, I say, Karen Edwards, you won. I do pull a random name off of my mailing list. And then I say, please contact me, reply to this email, and I'll send you the book in your format. I offer to send it from their independent public, uh, independent bookstore. I, and sometimes when people win, I'll call the independent bookstore. I'll have them order it. I'll give them my credit card, and then they come in and pick it up. Or they can get it in Kindle or Kobo or iBooks or whatever form they want um, or have it mailed to their house. But I would say 40 to 60% of the time, Karen Edwards doesn't see that. Her eye doesn't get all the way down. So what you're getting from that is goodwill from people reading your list, knowing that you're amenable to giving away books and you're cool that way. Um, and sometimes you don't have to send it. So, um, because that person won and she didn't claim it. So you should always read my newsletters is what I'm saying. That's a nice, that's a nice little thing I like to do. Uh, let's see. Uh, Stephanie says, can you talk more about character wounds and developing characters that fit the plot? I love character wounds. I often talk about Michael Higgs um, method of creating characters. And I'll just do it really, really quick. Um, but if you ever can take a class with Michael Haig, he also has books out. Um, he's a screenwriter, and he's I just think he's brilliant about this. So your character needs to have a wound, preferably that happened in early childhood. Um, it can be exacerbated by something that happened as a teen or as a young adult, like, you know, the first heartbreak or, you know, their first boyfriend dies. Um, but it's even stronger if the wound happens in early childhood. Say, like, their father takes off um, and never comes back. Let's just use an easy one. So their father is a female character. Their father takes off and never comes back. Um, she develops a wound around that. The mistaken belief that arises directly out of the wound, the mistaken belief is the second thing. It always arises directly out of the wound, um, tells her that she's not worthy of love. The belief that happens from the wound is always wrong. It's always mistaken. Um, so her belief is that she's not worthy of love. The exterior identity that then she presents to the world because of that mistaken belief is that by law she's walking behind me um uh she's going to work uh the mistaken the, sorry the exterior identity that they present um that this woman would present is that i don't need love i'm strong enough uh i'm i want to be by myself that exterior identity that she, we're giving her to present to the world is protecting that mistaken belief that she really believes down in her heart that she's not worthy of love so she's going to pretend like she doesn't need love and then the fourth part is um, her actual essence, which is, of course, we are all worthy of love. We are all worthy of um, admiration and devotion and care from 
other characters and from ourselves um, in these books. So oftentimes, so we've got the wound, we've got the mistaken belief, we've got the exterior identity that they show the world, and we have the true essence. Oftentimes the true essence comes down to the same thing, uh, no matter what you're writing. It usually comes down to that that character is worthy of love and respect. So, um, the but the question I think Stephanie's asking about um, character wounds and developing characters that fit the plot, um, dogs throwing bones in the background, is that when you're thinking about these wounds, I think about these wounds before I start writing the book, and if I have part of the plot formulated in my head, I try to make them directly fit that plot. So if we are dealing with um, a story about a woman who does not think she's smart enough to stop the bomb going off that will irradiate and kill the entire planet. Like we know that that's going to be her dark moment when she almost fails to save the planet because she's, she feels she's not smart enough to do something. Then abandonment, a wound caused from abandonment might not be her wound. It shouldn't be her wound. Her wound, if her, if, if where, if your character arc is getting her from not believing that she's smart to believing that she is smart enough to handle what is thrown her way, um, it's really nice to figure out what character arc will serve your plot and then go backwards and work her wound into the thing that will make her feel not smart. So now instead of a father abandoning her, perhaps you give um, her mother never letting her do anything or learn anything. You know, don't tie your shoes. You're not smart enough to tie your shoes. You can't do that. You know, don't, you're not smart enough to take piano lessons. You're not smart enough to do this. That's your wound that you're going to kind of tuck in there. Does that make sense? Um, so look at your character arc that plays with the plot that you want to write and then go backwards to figure out the wound. That was a very advanced class given in, um, I think like six minutes. Let's see. Um, Lauren says, we don't have Wi-Fi where we live in the boonies, so no internet is not hard. Dogs, on the other hand, LOL. Yes, I know. Seriously, I feel like when I'm at home, my entire job is letting dogs in and out of the house. That noise is Molly chewing on a bone on the hardwood floor. The entire room is covered in a rug, but she would she chooses to put on the one part of the floor that is uh, available. So, um, uh, Aparecida says, I really like your interviews. You always invite writer, writers from all racial ethnic backgrounds. How do you think about your, uh, how do you think about your writing summits? How many people subscribe usually for each course? There's a lot in there. Um, thank you for the compliment about my interviews. I really try hard to represent the world that is around me when I am doing my interviews on my podcast. How do you write? Um, how do I think about my writing summits? I usually, and I'm assuming you are talking about my retreats, uh, where I take people. Usually I open a list of um, a number of people who can go on my retreats, like for the Venice retreat in April. I can only take 16 because that's all the teaching room that I teach in in Venice will handle. So I open it up and the first 16 people to apply get it. Um, and so that's, that's how I do that. Um, how many people usually subscribe for each course? As many as can fit in the retreat. Or um, if it's one of my courses at school, like at Stanford or at Berkeley, they set the limit. Um, and if it's one of my online classes right now, I only have one, but I plan to have more soon. I'm going to do a how to write your novel and how to revise your novel and how to choose between traditional and self-publishing. That's all coming soon, um, hopefully. Then those are online courses, and as many people can take the courses as I would like. Um, Eva says, seriously, the dopamine loop of your phone is crazy. It is so crazy. I don't even have the dopamine loop that much, but when I do look at my phone, I know that I look at Twitter, and then I look at Instagram, and then I look at Twitter again. Maybe something happened. 
while I was looking at Instagram and then I look at Instagram again because maybe something happened while I was looking at Twitter and that's maddening to me. So yes, absolutely. Um, hi, Megan joined. Uh, Patty says, how do you keep critiques of your writing from locking up your creativity? Oh, it's a great question. How do you keep critic critics, not critiques? How do you keep critics of your writing from locking up your creativity? Uh, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I fail. My very first book came out, um, the very first review in a trade journal, so you know somebody reviewing it in the industry um, was a real. It was a it was a very flat review. Um, it liked some of it, but it also said uh, this romance was derivative and formulaic, and I was crushed. I cried for hours. Um, it was the very first review. I'd never even gotten a review on Goodreads or Amazon yet. Like it was three months before the book came out and I knew that my career was over. Uh, 24 books later, I know that my career is not over and people still love that book, but that was the very first review I got and it really did crush me and I had an impossible time writing for a while because as I typed, all I could hear was the word formulaic every time I typed. Um, Nowadays, once you get a lot of reviews, you really get inured to that. It's like developing this thick skin. Um, it really is. I can't liken it to anything else. Um, I literally, no lie, do not read my Amazon reviews anymore because I do not care. Um, I do look to see that in like my ARC reader, my advanced reader copy readers post. I don't care what star rating they give it. And I do look to see what star rating a book has. Um, I want it to be 4.5 or, or higher. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it is. Um, and I can't affect that. So I just glance and I go, oh, it's a 4.3. Oh, well, you know, Amazon's not loving that book as much as I want it to right now. Uh, but the reason I don't read reviews is because um, the ones that are five stars that make you feel like a million dollars, like you're the best writer in the world, they're all wrong. The ones that are one stars, <laughs> actually, sometimes the only stars, the only reviews I will read are the one stars because they're hilarious. Um, they're also not true. The truth lies somewhere in the middle. And my editor is the one who gets to tell me how good or bad my book is and help me shape it to be better. Um, but once the book is out there, I can't change it. So reading those two to four stars um, really don't help me. I do read trade reviews. So reviews in, you know, in um, Publishers Weekly and Library Journal, those are those I pay attention to. Uh, but in terms of reviews on Amazon or Goodreads, I just make sure that they're there, that I'm getting some reviews, and that's really all that matters. Um, but I will say, Truly, sometimes I do. You can go into your dashboard on Amazon and sort so you, that you just see the one stars. And I will sometimes glance over the one stars and then copy and paste some of the really, really hilarious ones and send them to my girlfriends because they are so funny. So I recommend that you do that because it just doesn't hurt anymore um, at all. I think it's just um, I got used to people telling me I suck. And I don't want to get used to people telling me that I'm brilliant. So therefore, I stay away. Uh, but yeah, it is hard. The first few reviews will lock up your creativity. You just have to punch that critique's voice in your head in its face. That was an awkward way to say that. But um, just know that it happens to all of us. And the, the critics' words are not truth. Your truth is your truth. Um, Malin says, morning, beautiful. Good morning, beautiful Malin. Um, uh, Tani, my Goddaughters here. Hi, Tony, my love. Um, Malin says, have a first draft ready for a first edit pass. I'm assuming from your book, um, it should start by just getting, just making sure the order is right. Plot holes, print all and lay it on the floor, etc. Um, but what next from your past list? Emotion, dialogue, setting. Um, so, so you've got your first draft and you're ready for your first editing pass. This 
to me, is the big revision. Going from the first draft to the second draft, um, or as I sometimes call it, my first draft, I call it my zero draft because it's so messy, getting that to a draft where I could show it to an editor or a friend. That's the biggest revision. So I print it all out, I read it in order, I make a scene list of everything that happens in the book. I'm gonna move that bone, sorry, hold on one second. Oh, you, you already moved it, thank you, there you go. Okay, because um, that voice was driving me crazy, it's probably driving you crazy too. So, um, and everything I say about revision, in a shameless plug right here, you can get in uh, Fast Draft Your Memoir. Everything, there's a revision chapter in there and everything in that book applies to novels as well. So I really break down my whole revision process in that book and I love revision. So if you want details, um, go grab that there. Or I think I, I put the audio chapter up on how do you write recently. So the entire audio chapter of the revision chapter is available on how do you write maybe three or four episodes ago. So grab that. Um, but what I do is so I get that scene list, I read the whole book, I make myself notes about things that should move or change or be deleted or be added. Um, and then I go through and do all of those. The passes that you're asking about, like the dialogue pass, if you're bad at dialogue or not as strong at dialogue and you want to make it better in a pass, I do that after this first major revision. I do the, the first draft. I do the first major revision, um, still not making sentences pretty or making dialogue perfect or getting setting exactly right if those are things you're not strong at. I save that for like the third or the fourth pass. And then I'll say, okay, the first draft is done. Now the book is in the shape that I want it to be. All of the, the big pieces are locked into the right place. Now I can go through, because I'm really weak at setting, and I'll just do a settings pass. And each scene, I make sure there's good setting and it's there. Um, it's not worth me doing that earlier if those pieces are going to move. Uh, and there's no use in putting a setting into a scene that I'm going to ditch and throw out because it wasn't the right direction. So I wait until the book is in its, yeah, everything's in its place and then I start doing those passes. Good question. Um, Aaron says, any tips for dealing with unsupportive spouses? Oh, no significant others. I haven't written a syllable since the, near the end of Nano 2017. Oh no, I can hardly breathe. When she lost her shit on me for all the time I was spending on that Nano crap and it was so horrible, I haven't been able to pick it back up for any story. Erin, my heart is breaking. Um, the fact about writers, and this is something to be really uh, conscious of, is that almost anything can break us at any time, which is why I'm really careful about critique groups. I don't often recommend critique groups. I recommend critique groups for um, encouraging you to do your writing, but not to critique it because the wrong sentence from somebody can break it. Um, in the worst cases, family members that you love, especially spouses, can break your heart harder than the people in your critique group. So, Erin, you're dealing with a very, very difficult situation. Um, that would break my heart. So I, you are not overreacting by being not able to pick it up. For you personally, I would recommend um, getting into a writing group. And I mean any writing group even a critique group, uh, look up meetups in your area, meetup.com, meetup.org. I can't remember what site it's at, but um, go to some writing meetups, talk to people, try to form a connection with at least one person. Um, I know that's hard for introverts. We all hate that. But for you, I think it's essential. You need somebody that you can talk to face-to-face -face and um, tell them about this and send your work back and forth, not to be critiqued again, but to... Um, establish that you're writing. Basically, you're going to be looking for somebody to say, um, Aaron, I need 
400 words from you by the end of the week. You have to do it. And they, they can be crappy. And I would, you know, don't judge for this, but I would not tell your wife. I would, um, Elizabeth Gilbert has this thing on her podcast, uh, Big Magic. Yeah, that's what it's called. Um, or Magic Lessons. I think her podcast is called Magic Lessons. And she talks about, you know, have an affair. Have an affair with your writing. I think that might be the only way to get away with it when you're when you're this heartbroken uh, from what your wife treated your work as. Um, keep this from her. This is a big secret. Dart off into corners and and have a sweet, mad, passionate affair with this writing that you're doing in the corners of your life, in the five minutes that you can still hear, and the ten minutes that you can still hear, and send it to somebody. If you can't go to a meetup in person. Um, you're obviously inside my Facebook group, Onward Writers. Um, put a plea there for somebody to be your accountability partner. You need an accountability partner, and then you need to write crappy words, just awful words to start writing again, and then you can revise them later. Um, but you have a you have a terrible problem. I'm sorry that that happened to you. I'm sure that your wife is a lovely woman, um, but I'm really mad at her for doing that. So you need to have a writing affair with your own work. I'm super excited about that. Um, Megan says, do you revise a first draft with multiple passes or one big one? Um, I'm revising now for the first time and it's so hard. Any other revision advice? Um, yes, again, go listen to that podcast three or four episodes ago. That's exactly how I do all my revisions and it will break it down for you. And it's so fun. Revision is where the magic is. Again, to people who are joining right now, I have, uh, the dog that I rescued, Wilma, she's back with us uh, for the weekend because we're watching her and she plays really hard with my dog, Dozy and, um, they're very loud. So, uh, oh, Megan says you're answering this. Yes. Um, yes. And Megan says to Aaron, I'm so sorry. It is, it is awful. Okay. So questions that I got from other people, Amanda says, I'm close to my goal of self-publishing my first book by the end of the year. No pressure. I'm not expecting much. It's more for learning the process and how to let go, but I'm thinking of doing something big to commemorate like my first tattoo. How did you celebrate your first book and how do you do it now with a new release? What a great question. You have to do something to celebrate. You have to do big things to celebrate. Um, a tattoo is a great idea. I do not recommend getting a tattoo of any words in the book um, because I have known like, I want to say five or six people now who finish a book, get a line tattooed from the book on their body, which is a beautiful idea, um, but then the book doesn't get published. Oh no, that squeaky has to stop. Excuse me. Too much squeak, too much squeak, too much squeaks. You guys are like really in on the on the background writing process. There are 100,000 toys on the floor here. They don't need the squeakies until we get off the phone. Um, I have no idea what I was saying. Oh, yeah, celebration. So maybe not words from the book because that often changes. And what if you did sell the book to a traditional publisher and they made you change that line and now it's a line on your body? So, um, But a tattoo, I, I love tattoos. I've got tattoos. So I think that's a wonderful idea if it's writing-related. Um what I do personally is <laughs> I buy a pair of very expensive shoes. I'm not even like a shoe person. I don't have 100 pairs of shoes. I probably have 12 pairs of shoes. I'm, I'm not a collector of shoes, but the shoes that I do like are extremely expensive. They're, I like Fluvogs, and they are generally like $350 a pair. So when I sell a book, not when I finish a book, because um, sometimes you don't always sell the book, but for me to justify that expense, when I sell a book, and it's going to be published, then I allow myself to buy a pair of shoes. Um, but other people do this. Um, my friend Sophie does this when she's writing a book and she's having a hard time finishing it. She'll buy herself a present that she really, really wants, like flu bugs or whatever she's into at the moment. And then she wraps them 
and then she puts them somewhere where she can see it when she's writing and when she writes the end she gets to unwrap the present from herself so that's a wonderful thing other people go to the spa I actually I often go to the spa I'll take it I'll take a spa day and go do that but you do have to celebrate yourself for doing something so immense um, it's something like I have the statistic written down, but it's over 80%. I think it's 87% of Americans say that they want to write a book. And only, I'm losing the numbers, but I think it's like 2% of people who actually who try do. So when you do, we are not a normal crowd that is listening to this. We are the serious writers. So um, you should congratulate yourself. This is a huge deal, a huge deal. Um, Patty says, I'm an inspiration. I don't know. Thank you. I'll just say thank you. I would like to deflect that, and I'm not going to. I'm just going to say thank you. Um, Elizabeth says, what are you doing in, these are from previous questions, uh, what, what are you doing in your, what are you doing next in your Patreon essays? I love them. Thank you, Elizabeth. Um, the Patreon essays are the nonfiction that I love to write. They're the um, kind of nonfiction, memoirish, personal narrative essays, and that's a great question because I don't know what I'm doing next in my Patreon essays. I actually ask Patreon supporters this week what they want me to do because I just finished this big project called replenish where I spent a year trying different things to fill up my spirit and accidentally got sober that was definitely not part of the plan but I have truly been replenished so that's awesome but that project is done so I went to the patreon supporters and I asked them because I could easily and happily write a, <laughs> a collection of essays about all the um, the animals I've loved and they would be good and they would be fun and so I proposed that collection obviously you see you see my house is just full of them um, and I proposed a book that I want to write about um, called woo like woo woo or like woo um, about me an agnostic skeptic exploring the metaphysical because I'm just super interested in the metaphysical right now and then I also proposed these are all books that I would want to write in with patreon essays and then the other one was a book on addiction and I really expected people to break cleanly into I want to read about pets and I want to read about addiction and I was completely wrong and um, the vast majority of people uh, want the woo book so I think I'm gonna write the woo book which I'm very excited about because it means I got to do things like I don't know go looking for ghosts which I don't believe in but I want to believe in them actually I do kind of believe in them I don't know what I feel that's what I want to write about this stuff um, I want to get my fortune told I want to get my astrology chart done I want to explore more with tarot I want to go to churches of all different religions and see how my heart feels and I want to pray and I want to experiment and I want to meditate and and basically I'm a middle-aged California woman aren't I uh, but I'm a writer too so that makes it um, even more fun so um, oh Mary says she has a Louis Vuitton purse picked out as a reward for the day I should ever sell a book I love that Mary I actually I went to Tiffany's in New York uh, after I'd sold my first book I sold my first three books to HarperCollins I went to Tiffany's um, in New York because Breakfast at Tiffany's is just one of my favorite movies of all time and I looked at rings and I picked this circlet ring and the woman got out her Tiffany um, the salesperson got out her Tiffany business card and wrote on the back which ring it was and how much it was it was like five thousand dollars ah, but I keep that in my wallet I keep it in my um, business card wallet it's always on me and the day that I hit the New York Times bestseller list, I will go to Tiffany's in New York and I will buy that ring or something 
approximating it because I bet they changed their rings every season. And that was in 2008. So um, 10 years ago, still hasn't happened. Um, might never happen. Who knows? But if it does, I'm buying that damn circlet ring for a finger. I have rings on all my fingers and they stay there. I don't even know where I would put it. Maybe I'd get a diamond ring from my toe, but, um, but that's, yeah, that's, that's a goal for me. So, um, and then I think this will be the last question, then we'll wrap it up um, because we're already at 33 minutes. Aaron says, oh yeah, sobriety, how long now? Oh, I will have 25 years on March 6th. Um, oh, that's great. I'm one of those dweebs who has never had a legal drink. I quit a couple weeks past my 20th birthday. That is rad and dope. That is so cool. Um, I have nine and a half months, almost 10, but I'm not at 10 yet. So I'm not claiming 10 months. That'll be next week if I get there, God willing. Um, but I have nine months. It's literally the best thing that's ever happened to me. I'm so glad that I realized that I had an alcohol problem because um, fixing it has helped my entire life in every way. And I had no idea that would happen. I just wanted to stop drinking. And instead I found a new life. It is so cool. Like I am just, I feel like I'm renewed in every sense of the word and it makes writing so much more exciting. It makes all my relationships more exciting. It is so cool, you guys. So I, that's why I'm kind of really open about it because, um, it's so great. And I, and I wasn't one of those alcoholics who was living in my car and lost my house and lost my job and all that. I was just a normal, boring, everyday, um, pass out on the couch alcoholic while watching Netflix, which um, I think is really a more common story. So I do like to talk about it. Um, and it was it was some bull crap. And I'm out from under that. And I hope, that, hope and pray that I will always stay out from under that um, with the help of great recovery programs. So that's... So fabulous, and thank you for asking. Um, uh, 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 oh, Melinda says, I know I said I was ending, but she says, oh yeah, on the next essays, any chance you could let us know a month ahead what the month's exploration is so we can do a parallel discovery for fun? I love that idea. Um, I love it so much. I'm gonna try to do that. The only problem is sometimes during a month I'll switch because whatever I chose wasn't resonating for me, but I can let you know if I switch. So I think I will do that. I will um, take that advice. If I forget, will you remind me? You know my brain. Stephanie is doing dry summer this month. Awesome. You're being dry with me. That's perfect. Um, Lauren says, congratulations. Thank you so much for doing this today. Or you didn't say so much. I accidentally put that in. You really said thank you for doing this today. You're welcome. Uh, Faith just joined. Faith, I'm logging off, but you'll be able to um, listen to the whole thing either on Facebook or I think I will put this on my podcast. You guys are amazing. You guys are why I do this. Uh, not why I do this. I actually do this for money too. But, um, but the connections I have with readers are insane and amazing and they bless my life but the connections i have with you guys with the writers um are really what make me get up in the morning honest to god um i i just feel like we are a family and i'm so glad that you're here with me so thank you so much for doing this please keep me posted on all your endeavors please listen to how do you write um please make sure you're on my email writing list is just for writers, which I haven't actually sent a writing email out for a couple weeks. I apologize for that, but you can get on that at rachelherron.com slash write. And um, I wish you very, very, very happy writing. Thank you for doing the Facebook live because I was pretty sure that no one would show up. And that's why I got questions from people ahead of time. So love you all. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? 
You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. <laughs>